How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube. Welcome to episode 136 of How About That Cigar Live. We are so grateful to have you guys with us. I am very grateful to be alive and back in the studio again. You almost little, died. A little bit of an illness last week, so thank you guys for uh, uh, being flexible with us as we had to cancel last week's show kind of last minute. I'm feeling much better, not 100%, but pretty close, so uh, much better than last week. Thank you guys for the well wishes. Uh, I really appreciate it. I, I know a lot of you guys reached out to me, and Garrett put a nice video out there. So thank you for the well wishes. I really do appreciate it. Uh, feeling a lot better. Um, and as always, you know, we're, we're not at Hemingway's tonight. We're back in the home studio. And it is, of course, the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. And we want to thank them so much for sponsoring our studios. And let's remind you once again about the beautiful new, uh, all new and super premium 20-acre farm. A complex and medium-bodied cigar, 20-acre farm is built using a velvety Ecuadorian Connecticut shade-grown wrapper, a sun-grown Habano binder, and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa blended with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf. Opulent. Available to all premium cigar retailers nationwide beginning in early December, the ultra-premium 20-acre farm cigars will be available in beautiful 20-count boxes and introduced in a 6x52 Toro, 5.25x54 Robusto, and a 6x60 Gordito. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. So we are back in the home studio in uh, the Drew Estate Cigar Studio. And so would you say our studio is opulent? I would say it is opulent. I would. It is opulent. Justin, is, is it opulent? Opulent? Yeah, we'll go with opulent. We'll go with, we'll op go we'll go with opulent, I think. We'll. Consensus. So last, we have to go back because we didn't. Uh, I really did. I felt honestly bad that I cheated Garrett out of the opportunity to 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 gloat over last week's football games. So we're not talking about this weekend's football. We're talking about last weekend's football games. So, so <laughs> I don't get to do this very often at all. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings hosted Matt's green Bay Packers and it was a roller coaster of a game. It was a great game. It to was watch. a great game um, to watch. And uh, Vikings took it. Um, yeah. And then this last weekend, the Golden Gophers beat. That was an awesome game. The Badgers. That was an awesome game. Uh, the Saturday, yeah, Saturday they 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 beat the the Badgers to win Paul Bunyan's axe. It yeah. was it was a great game. First time they beat them at home since two thousand and two or something. Really? Like yeah. I didn't know it was that long. Oh, oh actually, two thousand one. It was twenty year span. Holy cow! So yeah, um, it was a great game to watch. Um, and then yesterday, unfortunately, your Vikings lost yep. to the Niners, which I, I don't understand. I mean, the Niners, on paper, they just, and, and in a lot of their other games this season, they just didn't seem like they've been all that fantastic. No, and uh, realistically, I mean, we didn't have two of our starting defensive ends, yeah. one due to injury and one due to psychosis. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, we've got, so it's injury and I've already written, you know, I'd written the season off. I just hate when they give me hope, you know, and they got to 500, they got to 500 and then they lost another game. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and green Bay beat the Rams. Um, I, I won't say it was a one-sided victory. I mean, 
that Green Bay's definitely got a lot of issues that we have to figure out. We like, yeah, like I have a part in it, but it's, you know, it's my team, but they Green Bay really has a lot of work to do to clean some things up, but the defense is looking absolutely incredible. I love the way our defense is playing. Yep. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed yesterday was when, when Green Bay was playing. So last week, a few plays where Green Bay almost had some pickoffs, you know, uh, the defense almost had some interceptions against Kirk Cousins, but they couldn't complete the catch. Right. Yesterday, we completed the catch. We actually had an interception return for a touchdown. touchdown. We That's had, right. you know, we had a lot of good. And, and so yesterday, it's like they completed the plays. Yep. Where last week against the Vikings, they they sort of started to make the play, but they didn't finish it. Yep. So, and that's why the Vikings won. The, the Vikings won because they finished their plays mm-hmm. instead of leaving, you know, some, some out there. Uh, another big thing. So the Wild, our Minnesota Wild hockey team. <laughs> They're still rolling. They're playing really well. They had a great game against the 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 defending champs, the Lightning. Two games. Um, yeah. yeah. And and um, they're just really. Uh, again, I'm not trying to have some false hope here, but they're really playing well right now. Um, and for our baseball uh, fans among us, like we are, uh, if you're Minnesota Twins fans. Uh, I don't think it's a hundred percent official, but basically all the people who are really in the know are putting this out there that um, Buxton is going to sign a seven-year extension, I think, for $100 million. $100 million. Yeah, which, I I mean, okay, not to get in the weeds with baseball here, but I love Byron Buxton. I think he's a phenomenal player. When he plays, he is so injury-prone. He spends so much time on the, on the injury list. And I if he can stay healthy and actually contribute to a full season, then I'm happy to have him for the, you know, this for the seven years, hundred million dollars. But um, somebody who's injury prone when they're young, doesn't necessarily get less injury prone. The older they get, that's all I'm saying. So I'm hoping that he can have some sustainability and because that hundred million dollars, I start to think to myself, okay, is that money that could have been, you know, used, I know it's not that whole hundred million doesn't equate to right now money, but still it's, I just hope it doesn't come back to bite us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I we're agree. coming up on, we're coming up on uh, the anniversary. December 16th is the anniversary. I know this is so sad that I know this. December 16th is the anniversary of the day we released David Ortiz. <laughs> that, and then he went on to have, you know, the, one of the best careers in the history of well they say the minnesota twins is the best farm league it's the best farm league in major league baseball yeah. that's right um so let's uh guys we have a great special guest on the show this evening as always um and we thank you so much for being with us uh take just a minute go in the comments let us know what you're smoking and drinking along with us uh let us know where you're where you're smoking from join us with questions and comments along the way mm-hmm. um and let's get into it with our special guest and as always Special guests of the show are brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American... 
president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Mr. Jeff Borshowitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSunGrown.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you would please... Put your hands together and welcome to episode 136 of How About That Cigar Live, Greg Free from Fuerte a Libre Cigars. Great to be a part of it, guys. Greg, thank you so much for yeah. being on the show with us this evening. We really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, so here's a fun... <clears throat> you guys... I love the cigar industry and the people that you meet <clears throat> in this industry is, is fantastic from, you know, other consumers, from reps to it, owners to it's just an incredible, incredible industry. And how I got to meet Greg is, you know, is another one of those fun stories. I've got, you know, we've got some Matt and I have some mutual friends that do this cigar get together in ohio and so justin um our engineer and uh, another friend of how about that cigar raul ramos got to meet greg at this ohio um cigar get together and maybe greg you can tell a little bit more about what that is but it was through that relationship that greg got to to know raul and justin a little bit better and raul through him being Raul had Greg come up here and visit some shops and was really instrumental in um, making some key introductions. And now I'm super excited to say that we've got a couple shops up here in the Twin Cities that are carrying your product. But Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about that cigar festival and how you got um, annoyed with Raul for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really a festival per se, but there was a lot of great food. It's a it's a great, relatively new shop in uh, just south of Dayton. I, I say it's in Miamisburg, but it's actually, I think, New Carrollton. Um, and I've done a couple of events there. They were my first shop in Ohio. Uh, Brian and Gonzo are the owners of that shop. They bought a really big space. I want to say it's 8,000 square feet. They're gradually finishing it off. And we went there uh, for an event uh, it was really a herf. It was bringing people in from all different states. Uh, so I just hung out at the herf. Uh, they ran some specials on my cigars while I was there, but I was really there to meet a lot of people I had met online that I just had never met in person. So I just showed up at a shop that was carrying my cigars, that was hosting the event, got to meet a bunch of people uh, like Raul, who I who I knew from his online presence. I mean, how could you miss him? Um, and did a little interview with him there. Uh, he invited me to Minneapolis to visit some shops. I took him up on it. You just never know how that's going to go. Uh, but it actually, Roel clearly knows everybody in the area that smokes cigars. I think anyone that's ever had a cigar on their lips, Roel knows them by name. Uh, so he was able to introduce me to some great folks, went to a bunch of great shops. Uh, we got into almost immediately. There's a couple others that are on the hook. Uh, so we'll be in some more shops in the area, and we're excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited as well. Um, 
So let's step back a little bit and talk about your origin story with cigars first as a consumer, and then we'll get into your story as a brand owner and how that happened. But can you bring us back to your early experience with cigars? So uh, 1992, I bought a house next to a protected wetlands, which I thought was really cool. You know, we're going to protect this wetland. It's going to be fantastic. And it turns out that it was just a really pretty word for swamp. Uh, and there were a lot of mosquitoes. And uh, my neighbor, after living there a year, him and I became friends. And he said, I noticed you're never outside. What's the deal? And I said, well, these mosquitoes are just, you know, crazy. And uh, he said, well, have you ever smoked a cigar before? And I said, no. And he said, well, try smoking a cigar. And I'm like, what good is that going to do? And he said, well, it'll keep the mosquitoes away. So I started smoking cigars. He handed me a Baccarat. Um, I smoked Baccarats for about three years because that's what he handed me. Yeah. Um, and one year he had the nerve to go on vacation uh, and I had to go to a cigar store for the first time, walked in and my, <laughs> my brain just exploded. Like I had no idea that there were so many kinds, so many different kinds of cigars. And, and really I experienced a great tobacconist. I was very lucky. I went in and I said, look, I've been smoking these for three years. I'd really be interested in trying something new that you think I might like. And he kind of opened the door to different experiences. And from there, you know, I did the typical route. I went uh, stronger and stronger and stronger and tried different Vitolas and uh, just opened up my eyes to that experience. And so I smoked cigars for about 20 years uh, before I even thought about, well, maybe, maybe a brand is the way to go. Awesome. And all the while you are working in cat herding or what, what was your profession? <laughs> uh, I went through two professions during that time. I was, uh, I, I, I really thought I was going to be a farmer. I was, I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a horse farm. My dad traded horses for a living for 30 years, made a living trading horses. I worked on a dairy farm across the street. I was in the future farmers of America. I went to college for horticulture. And then one day I needed health insurance. And so I started working at a retail food store uh, called Giant Food. It's the, it was a local Giant Food in the Washington, D.C. area. Worked there for 10 years, worked my way up to store manager. And then I had a kid and realized that I didn't want to work weekends. So I put my resume out and I got hired to be a recruiter at a government contractor. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. Pretty much everyone here makes their living government contracting. And I did that for about 25 years. Hmm. Okay. And uh, so you're broadcasting from out east, right? Where where are you? I'm in Centerville, Virginia, which is right near Dulles Airport. It's about 15 miles west of Washington D.C. Okay, nice. Very my cool. my brother used to live so semi in that area. My brother was in in uh, after he got out of the Marine Corps, he started working for um uh networking network engineering firm that handled a lot of the uh networking and and routing for the department of the navy so he worked in the pentagon a lot and uh department of the navy stuff like that so he he is very familiar with that area one of snowden's buddies one of snowden's buddies yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh greg do you know anybody that uh can't tell you what they do <laughs> it's funny <laughs> I, knew, I, I know a bunch of people that say they can't tell me what they do and about half of them can't really tell you what they do. The other half just say that because in this area, <laughs> you know, people want to be mysterious. They're like, yeah, I can't right. tell you exactly what I do. Okay. So you're, you're a janitor. Okay. I got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that they're, they're super secretive until they have one glass of this. Yeah. And then they're like, 
you know, all my bosses and, and all this stuff I do. Yeah, and then the next thing There's you know. There's that new turpentine out I've been really <laughs> digging lately. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great talking point here. Where when you meet someone for the first time, what do you do? Government contract? No, what do you do? Well, I, I work right. with uh, program management. So you can tell the people that really can't right. tell you. It's the people that say I can't tell you that really could tell you. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. So speaking of this, um, Greg, tell us what you are smoking and drinking right now. So I'm smoking. It's actually our number one seller. It's the Sun Country by Fuerte Libre, of course. Um, it's a Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper. So it's got a really light, mild wrapper, but in the core, it's full bodied. So it's got double Dominican Lajero. And then in the Dominican filler, we blended Mexican San Andres wrapper leaf. So you've got kind of this full bodied core with all this flavor and the wrapper doesn't hide that. So it basically creates this medium smoking experience with a lot of flavor that a full bodied cigar would bring uh, just without all that harshness. So it's just kind of a nice, it kind of goes with everything. Um, and I'm smoking the Bushwhacker. Uh, Greg, can you uh, tee off what, what I've got going on here? Yeah, so the Bushwhacker is Dominican filler, so it's that classic Palado Cubano, which is originally Cuban seed, but it's morphed over generations kind of into its own seed. Uh, it's very typical in most Dominican cigars that you'll have some Palado Cubano in there, and that's going to be the filler and the binder on that cigar. And then the wrapper you have there, I think, is the Habano, so it's an Ecuadorian Habano, and that one also comes in a Mexican San Andres, and I think you're smoking the Torpedo. It's a 6x50. I am. And I have... Uh, the box press, which is the second wind, uh, Segundo Viento. Yeah, so Segundo Viento is double Dominican Lajero on the core. It's our second anniversary cigar. It came out in May of this year, which is two years after we got our first cigars in the country. Um, so double Dominican Lajero and then Dominican filler and binder and that Ecuadorian Habana wrapper. And it comes in that what I call a skinny Toro. It's a, it's a six and a quarter by 50. It also comes in a fat Robusto that's 54 by five. And, and sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I was just, I was gonna, because I, I love the story. Um, I was grateful enough to spend quite a bit of time with uh, Greg and Raul when, when Greg was up here. And I know a lot of these stories, but um, take us through that time you go from consumer and you're like, hey, I bet I can make a lot of money doing cigars. <laughs> or. Um, this is a passion, you know, tell us, tell us what that process looked like for you going from consumer to this is something that I'd like to get into. Well, I'll start with, I'm sure, uh, anyone will tell you that you don't make money in the cigar business. You know, if you want to have a million dollars at the end of five years, you better start with a million dollars. So I didn't yeah. get into this for the money. Um, uh, and that's, that's number one, but I was uh, sitting in my garage in 2012. It was January in Virginia. I had the door cracked. I'm sure it's not as cold as Minneapolis, but it was about 20 degrees. It was cold for me. I had a heater. I was sitting in a camp chair between two cars all by myself. My wife came out, stood next to me just for a little bit, just to kind of talk. And she started shivering and she said, you know, this is a little ridiculous. You're, what are you doing out here? And I'm like, I just love cigars. You know, and I'm, I'm really enjoying this one. She's like, you don't have any music playing. You're just in your thoughts. And I said, yeah, I'm just really passionate about it. I'm just really enjoying this moment and the time that I have with this smoke. And she said, what are you ever going to do with your passion for cigars? And I said, I always thought about starting a brand. And she said, 
what have you done to that end? And I said, I've always thought about starting a brand. And she said, that's not a very good fucking plan. <laughs> and, isn't, yeah, it and so, isn't it great how the, the, the moments in our life where we get smacked in the head with logic comes <laughs> from the women in our life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well, I, my I, wife, I love that. Yeah, so she so she she was quiet for about three or four minutes, and then she said, "You know, we should set aside a separate fund and start putting money away. So when you're ready to start your brand, you'll have capital." So I started a separate stock account. I put money into it. I start money started to grow. In 2013, the money was in a de decent spot, and I thought to myself, "Boy, I, I better start a brand, or she's going to be really mad <laughs> that we put all this money aside." So I started going through the federal process, which was changing dramatically at that time. So 2013 to 2019, I would jump through a hoop, the hoop would disappear. I would do one thing and they completely changed what you had to do. Uh, one of the big examples was cancer labels. And I created all the documents to create these mock boxes and where they were going to go on the boxes and fake pictures. And uh, you had to tell them, you had to tell them a plan to make sure that each person you ship cigars to got a, an even disbursement of each of the different cancer labels, the five different ones. It took me two weeks to put the plan together. I sent it in. The very next day, there was a court injunction, so no more cancer labels. So that was just one example of probably <laughs> 20 different examples that I spent a lot of time. And, you know, the government's been the hardest part. The passion was the only thing that got me through it. Uh, ultimately, uh, in 2019, I got cigars in the country. And then we had a release event uh, the end of May of 2019 with the first cigar, Bodacious. So, Greg, let's let's uh, go back to you travel to the Dominican Republic to really start to explore what it looks like to get a factory partner to create your own cigar. Bring us through that process and what that looked like. So, you know, my history of growing up on a farm, you knew everybody. You know, you didn't do business with anybody that you didn't know. You didn't. Uh, everything was a handshake deal. Uh, you got to know people's personality before you went in business with them. You know, even my dad, who sold horses, wouldn't sell a horse to someone unless he sat down and talked to him for an hour. It, you know, it was more of a relationship. So when I was starting this company, I knew I had to meet everybody. So I went to the Dominican Republic. I visited multiple factories. Once a factory was settled, I visited multiple printing companies to figure out who was going to do my bands. For every piece of the process, I, you know, I visited more than one. And I picked the ones that I felt would make the most sense. I wanted a small factory so that I wasn't a small fish in a big pond. Uh, I wanted to have some influence. And ultimately, the factory I chose, I chose because the farm that they were getting the majority of their Dominican tobacco from, they had a relationship with where that, that particular farm would guarantee that all the tobacco they grew would go to the factory. The factory guaranteed they would buy it all. The farm agreed they wouldn't sell it to anybody else. And as a small company, I didn't want to be competing in the warehouse for all the factory against the big, or all the warehouse product against the big guys, you would still get good tobacco. But what I really wanted was a consistent product. I wanted my core tobacco to be from one particular microclimate. So this 140 hectare farm is growing the tobacco. Yes, there will be differences year to year because of weather. Um, but for the most part, I've got that consistent product and that's why I chose that factory. So the factory is called El Poyito. Um, no one's ever heard of them because we're their first American brand. They do, they've done a lot of Dominican product. They've been in business since 1978. And the factory is now being operated by the children of the people that were running the factory when it started. So it's just a great story. 
Um, they're actually in the process of building a new factory. Um, a lot of that's based on the growth that I've brought to them, but also just the work that they're doing in the Dominican to grow product. They're also uh, adding 20 hectares to the farm. So they'll have another 50% more, more product for that filler and binder that we're using. Um, so we're really in a really good spot. The new factory is going to start construction in January. Uh, the farm will actually start growing tobacco in November next year. So the factory, um, the, the brands that they've made since 1978 are brands that just don't sell in the United States until until your brand. That's correct. All of their brands are Dominican based. None of their brands are in the U.S. at this point. I, and I tell you, they're making some really good stuff. Uh, and hopefully we can work with them to get some of those products here. Uh, but yeah. they're all exclusively Dominican and they're not, you know, they're not uh, cheap Dominican cigars by any means. I mean, these are for these aren't for your everyday folks buying cigars just to I was going to say mow the yard with, but, you know, to till the fields with. These are actually high quality cigars and they've been making them for a long time and they have quite a reputation in the DR. Now. I heard, so when you went and you started talking about the blends that you wanted to do, it was vastly different than what this factory had ever done before. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So the the very first brand that we came out with, Bodacious, I didn't know anything about blending. I wasn't going to pretend to know anything about blending, but I knew what I liked. So I told them, you know, so what I liked the particular cigars, the particular wrappers that I liked, and they came up with 12 blends. We tested them. We picked one. Uh, we picked one that had an Ecuadorian Habana wrapper. I have a tasting crew of 12 guys, including me. Um, and ultimately, 11 out of 12 like the Bodacious and the Ecuadorian Habana wrapper. I was the 12th guy. It wasn't my favorite one, but I've got to speak to everybody else. It's not just about me, as my wife will tell you. Um, <laughs> so, so then I took that filler blend, that filler and binder combination, and I tested a couple of Ecuadorian Maduro wrappers and came out with the Maduro wrapper in that line as well. So the first line, we actually had six facings, three Vitolas and, and two blends. So that was the first one. The second one, I had some influence on the filler. The third line, which was the Midnight Bender, was the first one I blended myself. And so I wanted to create something that was fuller bodied. I mean, the, the company name is Fuerte Libre, strong and free. Uh, and the, so far, the cigars were really medium at, at most because of all that Dominican filler. Uh, so I... I was, I was explaining the blend to them that I want a double Dominican Lajero, and they're like, oh, double, double Lajero, that's crazy. <laughs> um, and, and I wanted a Mexican San Andres wrapper, and I said, I know, uh, you know, typically you've got a Matafina binder under that San Andres wrapper because it burns really well. I said, but I really want to use a Dominican binder if we can find one that'll burn well enough. So I'm describing this blend to them over lunch. Um, I speak, I, I understand more Spanish than I can actually speak. So they, they start having a conversation, the master blender, the factory owner, the sales rep that I deal with, they're having a conversation and they're, they're saying basically he's crazy, he doesn't know what he's doing, it'll never sell. Um, and, and I said, look, I understand what you're saying, but you, know, you don't understand the American market. I think this will do really well. It wound up being you know, our top seller at that moment. Um, similar story with the Sun Country, only it was worse because they said I was crazy, I didn't know what I was doing, It'll never sell. It's blasphemous to put a full-bodied core in a mild wrapper, and this guy's not going to be in business much longer. <laughs> so ultimately, that blend became, and I'm smoking it now because it's, it's our top-selling blend. It's, it's the most complex blend that we have. It just brings all that flavor that's not hidden by the wrapper, which is kind of what I was trying to 
create. And it's done really well. So since the Midnight Bender, everything else has been something that I've put together. Uh, and, you know, and also working with the factory. I mean, sometimes I do listen to them when they say I'm crazy and, you know, we pare some things down or we change the ratio. And I work with them to make sure we get a blend that works well with the product that I have available. Yeah. So early on, when, like you said, you, you know, you took your, your first trip to Dominican Republic. Was that always b before you actually started traveling to work out your plan when you were talking to friends or even even doing your own research ahead of time deciding how you were going to pursue this did you ever give thought to nicaragua did you ever look at nicaraguan factories and make trips to nicaragua and just decide on dominican republic instead or how did that how did that play in so do you know the answer or are you just asking a random question i'm just asking yeah it's a great question so I was really going to be a Nicaraguan cigar company. Um, okay. And we had been to the Dominican and had been working on blends with El Hoyito. Uh, but in my heart, because the way the market was turning and the availability of tobacco and the cost of labor and transportation, the Nicaragua was just very appealing. Uh, so we planned a trip to go to Nicaragua in June of 2018. Um, and the trip was planned to take the whole family. We we're going to rent a beach house. And then my oldest son and I were going to drive to Esteli. Uh, visit three factories uh, and pick one. Uh, unfortunately, if you remember the timeline, yep. the country went into a series of major riots. The airport was being shut down. People were being shot in the streets uh, and I wasn't going to take my family there. So since I was ready and I had gotten through almost all the government hoops, I was ready to go. So I just went right back to El Hoyito and we became a Dominican cigar company. Okay, nice. And that's, yeah, I, I remember that because I was in I was in Nicaragua in late January of that year. And then it wasn't, it was only what April that things really started to go crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, but like you said, by June, it was really bad. And, I really and, thought it was going to turn around. I mean, I, I didn't cancel that trip until two weeks before we were supposed to go. I, I you know, and I lost money on the house and, but you know, it's, it's interesting. So many things where I've thought things have gone horribly wrong in my life. It turned out to be a really good thing because we were able to work with a factory that's just creating some amazing Dominican cigars for us. And I'm, and I'm proud to be a Dominican cigar company. Absolutely. So when you, when you had the blends getting started and, and you had your first couple branded cigars ready to go and they started shipping to the States, um, for those of us who don't really know, and that includes me, that includes uh, a lot of our viewers, what does the process look like on, you know, stateside uh, for, you know, just getting things going from a perspective of sales, distribution, uh, marketing, social media, all that stuff? What did that process look like for you? Well, unfortunately, there should be a book. Um, and, but even if there had been a book, it would have had to been rewritten as the federal government was changing all of their rules and regulations. But there's not a book. But there have been a couple people in the industry that have been really influential, uh, some of which I've talked to directly and will answer any question I have to ask. Uh, Omar DeFrias of Fratello has probably been the biggest help. He's a local Virginia company, started five years before I did. So I knew he was relatively new and had gone through the hoops. The problem is, while he would answer any question I had, I didn't know the right questions to ask. Um, so it's, so it is complicated. 
Um, but it's and it's mostly just regulations, just dealing with trying to get your product in the country. But to move past that and get into, you know, how do you market a new cigar? You've got to count on retailers. You know, you've got to count on brick and mortar uh, to point you in the right direction, to tell you when you're wrong, uh, to give you advice on what to do to help them sell your cigars. Then you've got to have a really good product. Uh, and most of the brands that have done really well, especially the smaller brands, it's because the owner is going out and knocking on doors. You know, it's really it, it kind of solidifies that idea that the relationship is the most important part. You know, I don't I don't sell to stores by just selling by sending them a sampler. I visit stores. I'm going to Houston tomorrow to visit shops that I've never been to um, to hopefully get in some shops similar to my Minneapolis trip where I was able to get in two uh, almost during that trip. You know, you have to visit them. You have to tell them the story. They have to be convinced because they're taking a little bit of a risk, too. You know, you're a new brand. And, you know, I've, I've asked the question everywhere I go, when do you stop being a boutique? And it occurred to me today as I was calling the shop in Houston to schedule an appointment for Wednesday. Uh, I said, hey, this is Greg Free from Fuerte Libre Cigars. And they're like, Fuerte y what? And I said, oh, we're a little brand that you've never heard of. <laughs> um, and I think that's when you stop being boutique, when you can call. And, and and they now know who you are, then you're no longer boutique. But at this point, nobody knows who I am. I'm scheduling appointments. I'm, I'm meeting them for the first time. I'm giving them my cigars for the very first time for them to try. And then I'm calling back in a couple weeks to see what they thought. And it's tough. It is really tough for a, any shop to pick up a brand new brand. It takes kind of an inspirational tobacconist, you know, someone who's willing to look beyond name recognition and just smoke a good cigar like it and want to share it with their customers and i've been very fortunate to be adding stores this year i went full-time in march i was supposed to go full-time a year earlier uh, and i've been traveling all over the country to try to get the brand out there and social media plays a big role these kinds of events play a big role uh, but it's really just that face-to-face -face relationships yeah and uh, bring us through the history of both Fuerte y Libre and and the the icons that 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 you have for your brand. So we came up with the name first. I wanted it to be a Spanish name. Um, my last name is Free, uh, so the Libre seems to make sense there. But I really wanted something that was Spanish, but also spoke to spoke to America. Um, and strength and freedom just really spoke to kind of the essence of America. So strong and free seemed to make a lot of sense. I like strong cigars. My last name is Free Fuerte Libre. So we came up with the name. It, it, there, it took 12 months to come up with a name, to be honest. And then, of course, you got to go through trademarking and copywriting. And then after we had the name, we started working on uh, what the what the emblem would look like, what the icon would, what would be the symbol that represented strength and freedom in America. Um, and growing up on a farm uh, and riding in a local rodeo, my dad was a horse trader. You know, I started in calf roping, did barrel racing, did team roping, worked my way up to Bronco riding, rode a couple bulls, and the rest is history. I mean, it just, it, it all tied together very well. The other coincidence is I happen to be a tourist, so the bull symbol kind of falls right into place. So then once you pick the bull, there's a thousand different representations of a bull that you can have. And I just wanted something that was simple that use very few colors uh, that would be easily recognizable on a shelf. Um, and that's been the consistent uh, banner that we wave wherever we go. It's just that bull logo. Nice. I love it. Um, we got a question from a, a, a viewer. Well, Raul, you know, Raul. Yeah. What, what's with the guitar behind you? 
So uh, my home shop and is Tobacco Allergy in Haymarket in Manassas. And I've released a lot of my cigars. Actually, so far, I've released all of my cigars at Tobacco Allergy. And there's one particular person at Tobacco Allergy that always wants the first box, the number one box. And every time he gets the number one box, because I number the first ones that come out, uh, he turns it into something, and I wind up getting it back in my, in my lounge. So he buys the box, smokes the cigars, and then you know a bunch of people will sign it. But uh, it was actually Brett Fry, the owner of Tobacco Allergy, that had that guitar made as a giveaway for that event. And then... Uh, the guy who always winds up giving me the, the stuff back, he wound up getting that guitar, and ultimately it got to me. Uh, there's a clock that was made. There's signed boxes. Uh, on the one side of that guitar, on the fret end, there's a, actually an amp that comes with it that's made from a different, from a bodacious box. So it's a pretty cool setup. If only I played the guitar, I would, I'd whip it out and strum a, few, <laughs> strum a few bars for you. Nice. Love it. So, Greg, it seems to be a very packed room of good cigars coming out right now in this boom that we have. What sets your brand and you <clears throat> apart from the rest of the, the, the pack that's, that's kind of trying to ride this train? Why are you going to make it? And we're going to still hear about Libre E uh, or yeah, Fuerte E Libre cigars in three, four, five years. I think it's, uh, you know, having gone full time really sets the tone for where I'm invested. Uh, you know, I've, I left a job of a career of 25 years in government contracting uh, to, to go full time in this business. So the fact that I've done that should say something to the rest of the industry. But I mean, the fact is there's there's a lot of really great cigars out there. I mean, I smoke across the board still. I still enjoy other brands. Um, I call it research now and I write it off, but you know, back in the day I would smoke anything I could get my hands on. So I'm not my best cigar customer. You know, my best cigar customer would be someone who smokes one of my cigars and they try to smoke all of them that come out and I'm their, I'm their go-to brand. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is as a new brand, the people that are going to really bring value to you are the people who, who like me want to kind of smoke across the board. And eventually they'll come to, you know, each year they'll have two or three that are, that are a highlight for them and they continue to buy those cigars. So I've got to have a good product. I've got to have great quality. I can't have burn issues. I can't have, you know, tight draws. I can't have any kind of issues as a new brand because immediately if someone smokes it the first time and they have a bad experience, they're not going to come back. So you've got to just have quality. Quality's got to be job one. Um, and then the relationships. You know, if it, if it weren't for relationships, I go into a lot of shops and they smoke cigars and they love them. Um, but if they don't like me, they're never going to carry my stuff. Yeah. So one of the things I love hearing about is, um, you know, because anytime there's a new brand and it could be a cigar brand, it could be any kind of product. Um, when it first starts out and then you start to get some people who appreciate the product that you that you put out tell us about those first couple experiences you had and the sense of I, I it could be gratitude or excitement or or whatever it is when when you first started hearing the first few people say that that like you said that they said this is this is my brand now that 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 this is these are cigars that i've enjoyed every one that i've tried Tell us about what that feeling is like, you know, for you as a new brand owner, when you start to get the first and the second and the third of those people who come to you and say, 
this your brand is my brand now what does that feel like it's powerful um you know and the real powerful piece to me was you know a lot of my friends smoke my cigars obviously a lot of the people in my home shop smoke my cigars the events we have are huge and you know we'll sell six thousand or seven thousand retail when we do a release which is huge for a small business like my own um and all of these brick and mortar shops are all small businesses too but the real the impactful moment for me was when i saw people smoking my cigars that i didn't know you know when you're on social media and you see someone smoking a fuerte libre and commenting on what they like about it that's when you really realize hey this is i got i got something going here you know people are liking it that it's not just because they've met me but it's actually just a cigar they picked up off the shelf or they got in a sampler and it's really become part of their rotation and that's that's powerful because for me it's I don't I don't know that I'll ever make money in this business to be honest it's really hard there's not a lot of money to be had but the passion and the excitement when it's like uh, you know being a, an actor and finally you're in a, you're in a movie that people go to see yeah. you know it's that kind of experience and, and that's what's powerful yeah no I like that and like uh, I mean if you have uh, if you're a musician and all of a sudden one day you hear your song on the radio yeah I mean that's very cool feeling so i remember when i dropped my first album when your when your first album dropped yeah, yeah. it was yeah. so dope it was it blew up it, it was ev- it was everywhere it was crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> on, on 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 a college radio station on myspace on myspace oh nice <laughs> nice wow a flashback myspace yeah voice like an angel <laughs> i've got a face for radio <laughs> oh sorry i'm like so you're you're expanding to the southwest um what what does your sprawl look like where are your hot points and what does your sprawl look like so we're the farthest west we are is dallas texas uh and there's two shops in the dallas area underground cigar which is kind of a cult cigar lounge that has a huge following nationwide even though they're in fort worth shout out don Don wiggins shout out to don yeah don he he is an incredibly He's a funny guy, just a great personality uh, and a great shop. They're moving a lot of product. The people there really like it. I've done an event there. Uh, Smoking Lamp Cigar Lounge, which is north of Dallas. Also just another great shop. The manager there loves my stuff, was actually buying my stuff at Underground before they were able to carry them in the store. And we've done an event there and things have gone really well. So that's the farthest west. I'm not in Houston yet. I hope to be there. The farthest south we are is Tampa. Uh, We're in a small shop called Holy Smoke in uh, Tampa St. Pete area. I hope to be in a couple more shops there. We did a trip there three or four months ago. Florida's a really tough market because there's a lot of factories there. You know, there's a lot of brand loyalty, especially in the shops. So it's tough to get in uh, and being a new brand, it makes it complicated, but we're happy to be there. We're also at uh, the Privada store down there in Orlando. Uh, and then if you go north, uh, Minneapolis, I think we were talking when we were in Minneapolis, what's farther north, Minneapolis or Sioux Falls, South Dakota, because we're in a couple shops there. Uh, but maybe the farthest north is uh, we're in Cigar Shenanigans in New Hampshire. Penny Eva uh, was nice enough to bring my product on board, and we did an event there about a month or a month and a half ago. So we visited more shops in New Hampshire and also in Massachusetts. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to close a few of those. Uh, we're in Philadelphia, which may be the farthest east we are. Uh, and then, of course, a bunch of shops in this area, uh, the Virginia, Maryland, D.C. area. Very cool. Nice. I mean, I would just recommend 
walking into Ybor City and being like, I'm from Virginia. Here's some cigars. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I might get shot. Probably. <laughs> it's it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what about the, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those questions that you, you know, everybody's heard in a job interview in their life and all this, but, but it is kind of, you know, uh, sort of a question that goes into what you're going through right now as a, uh, you know, working through building your brand and all that, but you know, where, what are your hopes for three years from now, five years from now, uh, that kind of thing? Is it, is it strictly just to. Uh, continue to spread the word and get into more shops, um, you know, social engagement, all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm visiting a lot of places. I'm flying all over the place. I'm traveling probably 75% of the time right now. Um, And I'm really just trying to create um, a map. You know, I'm trying to get myself across the country. I want, when you look at my retail map on my website, I want you to see, dots everywhere across the country. So we, I want to go farther west. Um, I'd like to go to Colorado to, to hit Colorado Springs, Denver, uh, try to get some shops there, but then also go across the Rockies and get to the West Coast and see if I can get some brand recognition out there. Um, there's there's a lot of different philosophies and I've talked to a lot of brand owners. Um, Fratello most recently, I sat down and had a talk with him about maybe concentrating in a, in a smaller area and getting more shops there to get more brand recognition in a small area, which is a great idea too. Um, Eric Espinosa, I had the honor of meeting him about a month ago in Phoenix. And he said, go where the money is and meaning where the most shops are, you know, where you can get density and make the trip worthwhile. Yeah. So I'm taking all of that in. Uh, but the real goal is to be at 150 shops by the end of next year um, and to actually start paying my wife and I back the money that we invested in the company. I'm not taking a salary. I'm very fortunate that, you know, she's got a good job in covering my health insurance and uh, and allowing me to travel and, and follow my passion. Uh, but I think if we can start paying ourselves back in August or September of next year, and then maybe take a salary in about a year and a half. Okay, nice. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I, I have to be full disclosure just because I'm still getting over this nasty uh, bronchial and sinus thing I was dealing with last week that um, my my sense of smell and taste right now is kind of, you know, not really not really all there. Uh, but um, one of the things I do when I'm starting to get back to a regular routine of smoking uh, multiple cigars a day is um, the the stronger cigars the stronger blends blends that have some you know something to say are are better for me and even with a limited sense of smell and taste right now i am definitely getting uh some good flavor and aroma from this cigar that is punching through the kind of grossness that i have in my sinuses right now so that's a very good sign so i i i i am looking forward to smoking all of your cigars once my Once all this gunk is out of my system. Yeah. And for those of you who have not had this cigar, um, every one of Greg's cigars is fantastic. It is no, uh, I mean, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Burn performance is fantastic. It's it's really burning well. And that's a testament to the factory and the relationship of the factory. Um, 
And I know it is hard for a new brand owner to, to come out and just say, hey, this is a really good cigar. But if you look back at Greg's story and the years that he took to build this, the relationships that he built, it's more than just a good cigar. Um, he did all the right things. He's continuing to ask all the right questions. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to advocate for uh, Forte y Libre, and I'm excited to see what happens in this next year, man. I really am. Absolutely. I appreciate that. It, you know, it doesn't happen without, uh, you know, people speaking a good word about the cigars, people trying them. I think, you know, we've, we've obviously gone through some struggles, but I, I think the value that we add is just the history, how long it took to build this company to get to the point where we actually got them in the country to do it the right way. Uh, and the fact that I went full time. So I'm not a fly by night operation. I'm not a, I'm not just putting my band on any old cigar. I'm actually creating blends. I'm, I'm doing it. I've learned a lot. I still say I only know 20% of what I need to know to run a successful cigar company. Um, but I'm willing to learn every day and listen to people every day, especially retailers, uh, because they're the ones that are, that are taking the risk right now. Uh, yeah. And they're the ones that know what's going to sell in their shop. I don't push myself in a shop because if a retailer doesn't think they're going to sell there, you know, why would I want to be in there? It doesn't make any sense for either one of us. So I listen to retailers. I listen to what they have to say. We're changing the company in minor ways just to make sense for the retailers. What what makes the most sense? Yeah. Go ahead. And then, uh, so question, how do you come up with the names? So... The very first cigar, it seemed obvious to me. You know, when I was a kid growing up and riding in the rodeo that we all knew all the famous PBR bulls. So we wanted, as a bull label on the cigar, we wanted to kind of be inspired by the famous bulls. So while our cigars are not named after famous bulls, they're inspired by them. So the most famous bull when I was growing up was Bodacious. And if you know anything about PBR, you know Bodacious. Uh, so that one was an easy name. After that, we have kind of a naming regimen that we go through when we were in the DR and we go twice a year. We go in October and we go in late January, early February, uh, late January, early February is because that's when the tobacco is high in the field and we visit the farm uh, in October uh, when we just went. That's about testing blends and seeing how the product is aging in the warehouse. Uh, but in, on those uh, times when we're in the DR, we're there for usually three or four nights at night. We go to a cigar bar in Santiago. We drink a little bit too much. Uh, smoke cigars, and we smoke the blend that we've settled on. So we're all smoking the blend that we finally settled on. And by the way, that can be a year-long process to get to something we really appreciate and we want to go with. Uh, and then after a few drinks, actually after many drinks, someone <laughs> will open their phone to the uh, 500 most famous PBR bulls and start calling out names that make sense. Uh, and for those not in the know, PBR is not Paps Blue Ribbon. <laughs> just just to clear that that up, professional bull riding, right? Yes, professional bull riding, yeah. <laughs> so we start calling out names, and at the end of it, when we, when we finally settle on one, we write it down because we know we'll forget it in the morning because we've all had a lot to drink. And then the next day, we're like, oh, my God, that makes perfect sense. And then yeah. that's how we name them. Nice. Love it. I love it. So is it? I think so. Is it time? I think it's time. All right. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In.
absolutely you guys do not want to miss the great smoke so there are still i think there are still some tickets available so check out the great smoke.com that made me so happy because we are going to be at the great smoke we're going to the great smoke. we're going to be at the great smoke so garrett justin and myself will be at the great smoke live this year or next year in, in february of 20, yeah. 2022 all right numero de los muertos this week is uh it's kind of a it's i don't know so here it is <laughs> the, your, your confidence is overwhelming well, <laughs> it's funny and sad all at once okay right, so the who estimates 150,000 people have died from this since the 60s and it's global globally but it's currently an epidemic in india so are we just supposed to guess yeah we can play yeah, 20 questions it's 20 question rules so yes or no questions um or you can just throw a dart at the board yeah and our viewers are going to put questions up too and or put up their guesses as well no googling please no or, I, would, I, I mean i would go gut with tuberculosis but you know what do i know that's a good guess. It is not. I'm going to go with Chad. I was going to say, Chad says dysentery. I'm going to say that as well. It is not dysentery. Not dysentery. It's not TB. Um, it is not mosquito bites. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to get everybody off the train of illness. Oh, it's not med It's not an illness. It's not a disease. It's a different kind of epidemic. Ooh. Oh, is it starvation? No, more people have died from starvation than that. Oh, yeah, millions and millions. Hmm. 150,000 since, uh, 150,000 a year? No, no, no. No, total. total. Since the 1960s, Correct. globally. But a great concentration in no. India. Currently. Yes. Currently. Overbite sounds good. It does sound good, but it's it's not correct. Hippos, what was it, hippos? It is not Tigers. Death by tiger. Ooh, tigers. Mm -mm. That's a good That's guess. A, yeah, because there's still villages where tigers prey on the villagers. It is not train accidents. I did that one a little while ago. It's not suicide. It is not animal related. It is uh, not being a Packer fan. Chris, <laughs> that is not funny. <laughs> uh Raul, you cannot uh, Raul, you're, with you're your... off the you're off the show, Raul. <laughs> oh, flooding. That's a good one. That is a good one. It is not flooding. That's not it. Okay. Uh not snakes. We've done that one before. It's not heartburn. animals. No, I did heartburn. Is it related to animal attacks? It is not animal related at all. Is it related to vehicles? It is not. Are they workplace accidents? Mm -mm. Not workplace accidents. It's not. Is it recreational activity? Common. Is it? Is it commonly known as a recreational activity? Yes. Is it mountain climbing? No. We already did mountain. We climbing. did that. Yep. That fungus infection. <laughs> that fungus and just that, just that, that one. That one. That one. That one. Like flesh-eating viruses. Oh, no. Oh, though, I guess that would be yeah, medical. That would be more medical, and it is not. M Mitchell wants to know if it's sex related. <laughs> it is not. Thank God. 
Uh, it is not crickets. It is not rock jumping. Who is it? Mining. Chad says mining. It is not mining. It's a great guess, though. All right. Here's the first clue. It has to do with a consumable. A consumable. Mm-hmm. Oh, cricket the sport. Is it food? That's hilarious. Is it a food? Is it a food? Something ingested? Yes. Vaping. Ooh. Since <laughs> the sixties. Oh, no, not since the sixties. Um. Okay, Justin, you're getting really close. It is not undercooked meat. It's not alcohol. It's a consumable. Hot gummies. Uh, Matt can tell you about brownies later. Um, No, I can't. Licorice? Nope. Bad dates? Nope. Raw cat. I don't. I'm not even going to. Nope. Mark, when we go out to eat, I am not allowing you to pick the restaurants. Cirrhosis, no. Herbal supplements, no. Opium, nope. Liver disease, nope. Hashish, nope. I, let's continue to expand on this alcohol situation. Alcohol. So, so it's, not, it's not alcoholism. Is it alcohol no. poisoning? No. Is it alcohol allergies? No. No. So in the uh, this particular consumable was uh, was it originated here in the United States. Moonshine. Yes. Wow. It is moonshine. All right. Extra points if you can tell me what moonshine um, that was uh, poorly made contains that is actually the poison that kills people. I should know. I'm in Virginia, the home of moonshine. I know, and that's why I picked this. (laughs) Yeah. You mean one of the ingredients in like the mash? So what? If you don't pull off the first 10%, it's in that first 10%, but I can't think of what it is. Yes. Oh, this is horrible. Is it methanol? It is methanol. Methanol. Yeah, because I know that's in the first, the, 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 yep. What do they call it? The, I forget what they the, call that. I yeah. read all about it yeah. today and, and that last. But um, if you don't take off the, the methanol that leaves the ethanol, which is consumable, then it's poisonous. And um, there, right now, it is. There are a ton of moonshine uh, distilleries in India that continually are killing hundreds, sometimes thousands of people a year of uh, methanol, uh, where there's still enough methanol on it where people are just dying. Wow. That's crazy. That's no bueno. Yeah. So uh, only get your moonshine from reputable... Moonshineries. Moonshineries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moonshineries. Very good. So that was this week's numero. numero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
We got to stop. We got to stop. Oh, that's that was that was the first one in I yeah. It has been rock solid until that. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Go ahead. I'm ready. <laughs> that was this week's Numero, Numero de los Muertos. <laughs> All right. So let's move into uh Let's move into our lightning round. A few fun, non-cigar-related questions. And you guys know that our lightning round is brought to us by our newest sponsor, and that is LM Cigars. They have been offering extraordinary cigars at an exceptional value since 1876. On top of premium cigars, LM Cigars offers deals on many accessories such as lighters, cutters, and humidors from the biggest brands in the industry at prices that can't be beaten. If you are an avid smoker or just starting out, LM Cigars has a cigar that will suit your needs. They have everything from value, value to premium cigars, flavored and unflavored. From Nicaragua to the United States, their, their extensive selection offers an option for every type of cigar enthusiast. For more information, please visit lmcigars.com or follow them on Facebook and Instagram at LM Cigars. And if you guys use the promo code HBTC. 2021 you will get free shipping on every order and i want to give another shout out speaking of lm cigars the giveaway that we have with lm cigars with a very awesome uh beautiful porcelain ashtray and a beautiful uh solid wood desktop humidor and a beautiful cigar cutter that giveaway is still live so go to howaboutthatcigar.com and uh it'll be one of the first posts on howaboutthatcigar.com you can enter that giveaway if you have not already, and that giveaway is still live until 11.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Tonight? Tonight. Ooh, so you still it. have time to enter that giveaway. Go to HowAboutThatCigar.com and find that giveaway. You know what I think it was? <coughs> I had this coffee called Black Death Coffee today, and I am still riding the lightning right now. Are you still? I am. Nice. Dude, I am feeling great. I gotta get some of that. Maybe it'll kill some of this grossness I've will. got going on. All right, so Greg, if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Um, wow. I I don't want to be political. I had one picked out like just came right to the top of my head, but I don't, I don't want to be political. Say it, man. One person, I was going to say Joe Biden. <clears throat> I'm with you with no further commentary. Well, and it's not, it's regardless of, in my opinion, regardless of what your political affiliation is, you want to know what your president, I would always want to know what any president is thinking. hundred percent. Absolutely. um, Yeah. Guaranteed. Um, All right. Next question. If you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? I have the tiger. Number one answer. Number one answer. Classic answer. <laughs> great, great answer. Great, like, great fighting music. I feel like we should get um, one time. It would be great to have. Uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Family Feud. Um, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. I would love to have Steve Harvey on the show. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah, I know that's a white whale, but just to hear him say number one answer. Yeah, number one. Yes. Number one. 
Uh, choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie or a goal in a soccer game as the goalie. Uh, touchdown as a defensive lineman. Great answer. All the way. Did, did you ever play? I did play, but I, I played when I was – I played in Little League, and then uh, I never I never played in uh, middle school or in high school. But my, my sons played in high school, had very successful high school careers. Nice. Um, and I think – let's do one more just for fun. Yeah. All right. So when you were a kid or a teenager, who was your number one – celebrity crush that every time they popped up on TV, you're like, Whoa. So it was, it was Farrah Fawcett back then, but yeah. I mean, now it's Sandra Bullock has been like the last 20 years. Yep. I'm not mad at that. I'm at all. not mad at that a bit. She's fantastically yeah, beautiful. I mean, Farrah Fawcett, you know, when I was a kid, you had the posters, you had, you know, her on the red car. Like that was the thing. Yes, Absolutely. All right, let's move into this week's Notable Smokable. And as always, Notable Smokable is brought to us by our friends at Ace Prime. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. So, Greg, each week uh, we name a cigar that we've smoked recently that was interesting and notable to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we maybe just smoked for the first time in a long time, or it could be something that's brand new to the market that we just tried for the first time. So is there something you smoked recently that kind of fits that bill? Um, I would say that, that I guess the one that I've, that's kind of been hot for me lately is the Davidoff late hour mm. in the Toro. It just really kind of speaks to my palate. It's just a great cigar. Um, it's, I would call it not quite full body, more medium full, just got a lot of flavor. It burns really well. I really enjoy it. Nice. Very, I mean, it's a winner every time. I can't remember ever smoking a bad late hour. Yeah. Um, what about you, Garrett? I had the HVC Settle. Oh, good cigar. Oh, my gosh. Aganorsa leaf. Yeah, good that, stuff. Oh, man, that cigar, it was just, it was flavor from the all the way to the finish. Yeah. Nubbed it, and it didn't get acrid or stupid. Love it. So mine was one that you gave me, Garrett, at uh, when we were oh. watching the the Packers and Vikings last week. The Lancero size of the Queen's Pearl from from ADV from Adventura Cigars, and I've heard it I, before. I smoked it. I had heard from Henderson and so many other people that that it, it's the best Connecticut shade Lancero ever. Now I I'm. I can't go as far as to say that, but I will say it is one of the best Lanceros I've ever smoked in my life. It was absolutely brilliant. And and you know that I'm for Lanceros, I could take them or leave them. I, yep. I do enjoy them a lot. Yep. But this that Queen's Pearl Lancero was lights out. Just incredible. It is uh probably my favorite cigar to have with coffee. With a coffee, it it does things to me that are that are dangerous <laughs> i do want to give a runner-up uh that i should have done a couple weeks ago but uh, uh our, our buddy tony gave me a namakubi original release and that thing changed my world 
that was a- amazing. They aged so well. So yeah, and they're uh, thanks, brother. the new the new Namakubis are shipping now. Yep. So yeah, look look for those in stores. Um, so that was this week's Notable Smokables brought to us by Ace Prime, improving lives through fine cigars. Visit aceprime.com to learn more. So to give our viewers and listeners an idea of some cool stuff we have coming up very soon, next week on the 6th of December, uh, we have actually have a very cool show. So if you guys haven't heard, um, the Premium Cigar Association is you know it's it's the organization it's the trade organization for premium cigars but also they do a ton when it comes to uh consumer advocacy and legislative uh trying to keep the government off our backs as cigar smokers so uh and we've we've spoken with them multiple times on the show and we kind of wanted to close out the year uh to sort of give an overarching view of things that happened during this legislative year but also there's something very exciting and new that's that's starting up, and that is there's a new thing called the Congressional Cigar Caucus. So we're going to talk to Josh Haberski from the PCA, and we have, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong, we have Congressman Dan Muser from Pennsylvania, and hopefully we can also get Tom Emmer, who is uh, from the state of Minnesota, on the show as well. Uh, and and they're, they're part of this new Congressional Cigar Caucus. We're going to talk about what the Cigar Caucus is, what it means, and how we can all, as, as uh, you know, citizens and cigar smokers, get involved uh, and continue fighting for our rights as cigar smokers. Um, following that, on the 13th of December, um, we're going to revisit pairing roulettes. So we Garrett and I did the first pairing roulette about six or seven months ago. Uh, it was a, a very fun experiment. So we're going to have the holiday edition of Pairing Roulette. So we have Eric and Jordan from Cigar Dojo on the show. And we're going to do the same thing where we spin the wheel and we choose a cigar with a particular kind of wrapper leaf. And then we've got a lineup of of holiday-themed drinks like eggnog and cranberry juice yes. and mulled wine and... You know, stuff that you typically drink during the holidays, uh, along with some staples like, you know, uh, bourbon and coffee and things like that, that we'll have mixed in there as well. So we have that on the 13th. And then on the 20th of December, which will be our last show of 2021, uh, we're going to have our year in review. Now, this is not our Cigar of the Year show. This is our year in review, like we did last year. We're going to bring out the box that's got all our cigar bands in it. Uh, kind of talk through the stuff that we smoked the most this year, uh, talk through some of the big events that happened during the 2021 calendar year uh, in the cigar world. Um, And then going into uh, 2022 already, on the 3rd of January will be when we present our list of Cigar of the Year. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We uh, We will name our top... I haven't even figured out how many are top 10, 12 cigars, 63, 63. 63. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, so Greg, give our viewers and listeners a final idea. Where is the best place for them to follow and keep up with everything going on with Fuerte y Libre cigars? Uh, probably the best place is going to be Instagram. We post almost everything to our Instagram account. So it's Fuerte y Libre, all one word, no spaces that were easy to find. Just look for my face. Uh, you'll find us there. Uh, you can also on our website visit our retailers page to see what shops we're in, see if one's local to you. 
And also the shops that, uh, that ship that are on that list uh, have a reference next to the shop name that'll say that they ship. So if you're looking for our cigars and we're not in your area, you can uh, hit up one of those shops that does some shipping and they'll send them right out to you. And Greg, so Raul can go to bed without being angry. Can you tell us a little bit about, do you have anything new coming up? Yeah, I, I have a feeling Raul goes to bed angry every night. <clears throat> but, it's true. But hopefully, hopefully <laughs> I can I can settle his nerves a little bit since he hasn't had a cigar in 10 days. Right. Um, so sorry, Colleen. <laughs> so we, uh, we finally settled on a true mild. We don't have a true mild in our lineup. Uh, we settled on that blend when we were down in October. Uh, we also settled on a true full uh, when we were down there. So the true mild is going to come out uh, in the first quarter, hopefully. Uh, we don't release any cigars until they've been in the U.S. for two months. So it might be towards the end of the first quarter or the start of the second quarter when that one's released. We have it named already in one of our drunk fests down in Santiago. So that one's got a name on it. The, uh, the true full doesn't have a name yet. So there's no way that one can come out until we're back there in January. So we'll name that one. Uh, the true mild is just going to be Palado Cubano in the filler and binder. It's going to have an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, but it's going to be a true mild, just a nice mild expression of Dominican tobacco. So just that great flavor. The true full is going to be uh, a blend of uh, Nicaraguan tobacco uh, and then some first generation Cuban seed grown in the Dominican tobacco. So not that Palado Cubano, but first generation Cuban seed in the filler. And then also that Cuban in the binder um, and a Corojo wrapper. So that'll be the full that'll be the full body that comes out. We also uh, just received in a shipment last week the Midnight Bender and a Gordo. So that's going to be in 21 count boxes available in two months. So probably January. Uh, and then also we have in the Sun Country we have a Corona, uh, and that blend tastes completely different in a Corona. You know, a lot of <laughs> it's 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 an amazing cigar. I wish I had brought back more of those more of those final blends on that. It's stronger than the Sun Country because there's less room for the Dominican filler because you've got that double Ajero and then you've got the Mexican San Andreas in the filler. So it's stronger. It's it's not going to be like the Sun Country at all. I, I actually thought about calling it something different, but it's still the blend, but it will taste completely different than the Toro. So we're going to come out with that probably in the first quarter as well. It's delicious. That's awesome. So yeah, cool. Corona's my wheelhouse, so I'm excited yeah. for that. Greg, man, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. We yeah. appreciate your time. And we, we wish you and your brand nothing but the best for the, you know, for, for the future. Thank you. I, I really appreciate what you're doing, not just for me, but for all of the other brands out there. You know, for the most part, you know, 98% of the brand owners that I've met have been fantastic. You know, we're all in this together. Uh, yeah. Everyone has always answered my questions. Everyone's always been very helpful. They've always said, here, take my phone number, give me a call. Uh, and, and what you're doing for all of us is remarkable. And the fact that you're having PCA on, is fantastic because that lets everybody that's a consumer understand the difficulties that we're going through as an industry, which ultimately will impact the consumer. So I appreciate yeah. you bringing attention to those things, to all of those other brands. Uh, you know, and I wish you guys the best. You're doing awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Brother. Thank you. So guys, again, for our viewers and listeners, we are so grateful to you guys. You are the best part of how about that cigar. We, we would not be doing this if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much for watching and listening. Uh, as always, if you guys have questions for Garrett or myself, email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Follow us on all social media at HBT Cigar. And of course, until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks, Thanks everybody. <laughs>